I will never again pass them by. The high places of Isaac shall be made desolate, and the sanctuaries of Israel shall be laid waste. And I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword. Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent the king Jeroboam of Israel, saying, Amos has conspired against you in the center of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos has said, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel must go into exile away from his land. And Amaziah said to Amos, Go, seer, go flee away to the land of Judah. Earn your bread there and prophesy there, but never again prophesy at Bethel, for it is the king's sanctuary, and it is the temple of the kingdom. Then Amos answered Amaziah, I am no prophet, nor a prophet's son, but I am a herdsman and a dresser of sycamore trees. And the Lord took me from following the flock, and the Lord said to me, Go prophesy to your people Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And now is the time we've set aside for our children's message. In the second reading today, there is a familiar topic, adoption. Ephesians 1.5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given to us in the one he loves. Many of us know someone who has been adopted or may even be adopted ourselves. Adoption is a wonderful act of love when someone who is without a permanent, safe family is being welcomed into a loving, permanent family. We may have our own family that we belong to, but as followers of Jesus, we have been chosen and adopted into the family of God as well. This reading really makes me think of how large our family in Christ is. It also makes me think about how much love God must have to give. We are all predestined for adoption into God's family. By all, he is truly talking about all of us. That means all 8 billion people living on this planet are adopted by God. That is a whole lot of love. This is also a love that didn't just start with the people who are here now. This love has been there since the beginning of time. All the people who have been are included in this family. That is an amazing amount of love. We are all loved, welcomed, and adopted into his family. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that even though we may have our own family, you have also adopted us into the family of God. Thank you for your amazing love and for making us a part of this wonderful family. Please be with your children who may be looking for parents and parents who may be looking for a child to share your love with. Thank you for all the love you give us as your adopted children. Amen.
begin to attract attention, Mark recalls the story of John the Baptist's martyrdom. Like John, Jesus and his disciples will also suffer at the hands of those opposed to the gospel of salvation. The Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. King Herod heard of the disciples' preaching, for Jesus' name had become known. Some were saying, John the baptizer has been raised from the dead, and for this reason, these powers are at work in him. But others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. For Herod himself had sent men who arrested John, bound him, and put him in prison on account of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because Herod had married her. For John had been telling Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to kill him. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he protected him. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he liked to listen to him. When an opportunity came for Herod on his birthday, when an opportunity came, when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his courtiers and officers and for the leaders of Galilee. But, I'm sorry. When his daughter Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it. And he solemnly swore to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you even half of my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what should I ask for? She replied, the head of John the baptizer. Immediately she rushed back to the king and requested, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The king was deeply grieved, yet out of regard for his oaths and for the guests, he did not want to refuse her. Immediately the king sent a soldier of the guard with orders to bring John's head. When he went and beheaded him in, in the prison, he went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his hat on a platter, and gave it to the girl. Then the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. And this is another one of those John the Baptist stories. Because he was, he's such a powerful witness and because Mark focuses so much on urgency. And John the Baptist really had a ministry of urgency. But I'm going to set that aside for a moment. I'm going to ask you to think about Haiti. Don't know if you've been listening to the news this week, but the president of Haiti was assassinated early this week um, in, his, in his home. Haiti has a really complicated history. Unfortunately, Haiti's history is Herod's and Herodias's and other power brokers over and over and over again. Haiti Africans were brought to Haiti because 
the French were there and they wanted, to, they wanted to have a stake in the ground in North America for the gold. The Spanish were getting all the gold, the French wanted to get the gold. And so French, French wanted to have, have a little colony there and let's get some slaves to you know, do the work. And over time, it didn't have a lot of gold, and then they figured they could, because of the location, they could do some trading, and, and then there was the plantation work with, with uh, uh, sugarcane, and, uh, and then it was protecting the Gulf from the French, and then it was, oh my gosh, the slaves over, overthrew the, uh, the whites, and now they're free, don't tell the Southerners in the US, because we're still gonna trade with them. And then Haiti was used as, uh, for weapons transport, and then you know different banks from different countries were gonna protect Haiti, we're gonna protect you, uh, because they wanted the debt, and then we're gonna protect you because it's a good place to smuggle weapons, and then we're gonna protect you because it's a good place to smuggle cocaine, and Haiti has also a long history of saying no foreign ownership, except for Polish people. But that's an interesting quirk of, of part of who was willing to fight with them. No foreign ownership, no foreign ownership, no foreign ownership. But a heck of a lot of foreign manipulation foreign posturing, and foreigners making decisions over here where Herodias is having her daughter dance for Herod, who wants to say faith in front of his guests. Even though he, he likes to listen to John the Baptist, doesn't really understand, but he likes to listen to John the Baptist. And so John the Baptist is losing his head for telling the truth. And the rest of this other stuff is going on that he has no control over. And you probably know that all these people over here that I'm gesturing over here, they're all gonna kill each other eventually. I mean, that's kind of how these cycles go is either they kill each other or their nephews kill them or it's true or the people across the rivers kill them but the John the Baptist and quite frankly some of the other apostles and some of the other disciples and millions of faithful Christians pay the price for this power brokering. And Amos was saying, you know what, I'm just, I'm just a shepherd. But somebody didn't like the fact that he was telling the truth and taking power away from a priest that had gained some power. I don't know what exactly, who's involved with whom right now in Haiti. I mean, when, I know it's tragic. 
it's tragic because Haiti's been raped over and over and over again. And the sermon's not about Haiti. It's about God saying, why are these people, what are the motives? When you look at the plumb line, when you, that's the Amos part, the plumb line. What's the straight line? Who's benefiting? Who's getting something out of this? Who's dealing with you straight? Because people will negotiate with you based on your ego or based on, you know, what you're, what you're going to, um, what's going to make you feel important. One of the things that very often people would make deals with the slaves saying, if you fight on our side, we'll free you. And then another group would say, well, if you fight on our side, we'll give you citizenship. And then another side, will say, the English will say, well, if you fight on our side, we've never allowed slavery. And the French say, well, if you fight on our side, you have citizenship, but not in France. And then there's this one great time where they say, you know what, tell you what, you can have Haiti. We just want to be paid for our property. And they, they, they came up with a number. And the people in Haiti, the Haitians said, so by property that you've lost, you mean us? It's a great question. It's a great question, and I think it's a great example, because I think we have to ask it. Because I think we have to ask it about ministry. Why are we doing it? Who does it benefit? But I think sometimes we forget to ask. If I'm doing a ministry, is it so that I can, what did I say it was, Herod was doing? Saving face, Herodias was, Herodias was angry, so she had, a, she had an axe to grind, power. People were doing it for entertainment, and there were people who were doing it because they thought he was creepy. We know he's weird. We know this from other stories, right? He's weird. He does stuff wrong. He's not assimilating. If we are doing ministry that benefits us for any, for any of those reasons, because it makes us comfortable, sorry, Karen, but because it makes us comfortable or because it's going it, to make us secure or because we think it's going to you know, um, benefit us and I don't mean as individuals, but because we think it's going to, you know, somehow bring money into the church. Well, why do we bring money into the church? Somebody answer this question. Everybody answers the question. To do ministry, right? 
It's not, it's not wrong to bring money into the church. I'm just saying that, that, that we, you have to ask these questions. You have to ask these questions in, you know, international politics, it's really, Haiti came to mind for me. In scripture and in ministry. We know we're called to do ministry that has the potential to be offensive. We're told over and over again it has the potential to be offensive. One of the groups to whom it has the potential to be offensive is ourselves. Because we can look and say the thing that God is calling us to do is not, not what I would prefer to do. It's going to push me outside my comfort zone, or it's going to just push me to work harder than I have, want to, or give more than I want to, or share, or etc. So I'm going to ask, as I always do, I always ask you to do something. One, pray for Haiti. Pray for Haiti. No matter, no matter who's, what's, what, what the dynamics are, they can use our prayer. Pray for those for whom power is the end goal because they're going to be disappointed. Well, that was stated pretty directly in scripture today. They're going to be disappointed. And then pray for us. Pray for us to have the integrity, to have the integrity to, to do the ministry and to ask the question, is this ministry building up the kingdom? that God calls us toward. Let us, let us be called toward it. Let us come before you, the triune God, in prayer. Holy Parent, you welcome your people into one family and gather all things to yourself. Bestow your grace upon your beloved church, lavish your wisdom upon us, and redeem us from our faults, that by your, our witness all might praise your glory. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our awesome Creator, you steadfastly tend to the smallest of seeds and the mightiest of sycamore trees. 
spring up green growth from the earth, nourish the growth of fruit, grain, and other crops, and bless the work of farmers and laborers. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of the oppressed, turn the ears of those who are in power to the voices of prophets in our own day. Protect those who speak difficult truths when it is risky to do so. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of strength, you are near to those who endure difficulty. Comfort all who are survivors of violence, guard the refugees and the immigrant, and protect all those who are victims of prejudice and discrimination. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. God of love, we pray for this holy, we pray for this holy house and all those who worship here. We pray especially for those whose efforts behind the scenes often go unnoticed, for those who clean, make repairs, pull weeds, and for all our volunteers. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We thank you, God, for the saints, martyrs, and prophets who have died in faith, including those in this community who have recently died. United, united with them as God's children, assure us that we are yours forever. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. We lift our prayers to you, O God, trusting in your abiding grace. Amen. This is the part of our service where we lift up our gifts to God. We offer ourselves, our time, and our possessions. Members, of course, are encouraged to give our regular tithes and offerings through an assigned number, and we have regular vehicles for doing that. You're invited to go to our website and use PayPal or one of the other donate buttons that we have on the website. You can make a special offering to the RLC on KINY ministry, which helps keep this on the air, or to the RLC food pantry, or to Juno Live, which helps with community outreach. You're also more than welcome to come by in person or make a food donation. We encourage people also to be involved with the community and appreciate volunteers. All of these things are gathered together in song and prayer. Jesus, bread of life, you have set this table for your, with your very self and called us to, to the Feast of Plenty. Gather what has been sown among us and strengthen us in this meal. Make us to be what we receive here, your body for the life of the world. Amen. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our, Our Father, Father, who art, art in, in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us announce together the mission, mission of Resurrection Lutheran Church is to promote spiritual growth in Christ and in service to all people. The blessing of God who provides for us, feeds us, and journeys with us be upon you now and forever. Amen. Amen.
Go in peace. You are the body of Christ. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. This has been an abridged worship service of Resurrection Lutheran Church. You are welcome to join us for worship in person on Sunday mornings at 930. We are located at 740 West 10th Street in downtown Juneau. Our phone number is 586-2380. More information about our location, parking lot, current COVID policy, and other contact information is available on our website at rlcjuno.org. The website is also the best way to learn about what events are happening with the community outreach ministry, Juno Live. With a vital food pantry, bell choir, quilting group, Bible study, and others, there may be a ministry here just for you. Come and see.